Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, go to Luke chapter 1, okay? Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning as we continue in our series, Fear Not. And last week, we looked at the fact that Uh, We don't have to fear, we don't have to be afraid in the silence. And though uh, there was silence for 400 years in the nation of Israel, open prophecy had not been given for 400 years, uh, we looked and we saw that the entire time God was there. God was listening to his people. God heard their prayers. God heard the prayer of a man named Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth and gave them a son that they had been praying for. And we we looked at the fact that even in times of silence in our own lives, where it seems what we can't hear God or we're not getting the answer to our prayers, we don't have to fear because of the truth that God is listening, God is with us, God is working even when we cannot see it. And this week, I want us to really see this truth that we don't have to fear because God's grace is available to us. We don't have to fear because God's grace is available to us. And I want us to see that as we unpack a statement that was given to a young girl named Mary, the very one who would be the mother of our Savior Jesus. Uh, She was told, fear not. And we're gonna look at, really, this is what I've entitled the message, there's grace for that. And I hope that we'll see that as we dive into it. So go to Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. I'm just going to read the first few verses, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into the message for this morning. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, the Bible says this. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, if you recall, just real quick so that we're all on the same page, the sixth month that it's talking about is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. The, Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. It specifically says in the few verses before, she hid herself for five months, and then it says, and now in the sixth month, okay? So we're in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. It says that Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel uh, came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Fear not, for thou hast found favor with God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, that we're about to unpack the truths from your word. And Lord, we do pray that every word that comes out of my mouth would just be straight from your heart. Lord, um, may you speak to us this morning through your word. And may, uh, Lord, you help us to have open minds and, and hearts to receive what you have for us this morning and then to apply it to our lives as we live for you this week. Lord, encourage us and challenge us through the scriptures. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in uh, 2009, when uh, the iPhone was really starting to become especially popular, it had already come out a few years before that, I believe back in like 2006. But in 2009, 
they, this slogan was released for the iPhone, um, which also, 2009 seems forever ago. Do you remember that? And even iPhones, thinking back to like the original iPhones, I still remember when my parents got those flip phones that had a blue screen uh, background instead of like the dark green screen of Nokia. And we were all like, oh man, you can read the words so much better. And now what our phones can do is just ridiculous. But back in 2009, when the iPhone uh, 3G, I think it was, uh, was coming out, there was this slogan that they, uh, that they really coined, and it was this, there's an app for that, okay? There's an app for that. You remember that? that they said there's an app for that. Uh, Apple's newest iPhone at the time was boasted of the fact that you could, whatever information you needed uh, about or whatever you needed information about, there was an app for that. Like if you needed uh, to figure out the weather, you wanted to track your calories, find your car, get directions, act like your phone's a Zippo lighter. Uh, you remember those kind of apps on there? Or uh, act like you're drinking liquid straight from the screen of your phone. All of those kinds of things. There was an app for that. And uh, it was just, it was a new thing in our world at that time. Uh, whatever your problem, whatever the situation what, uh, we have an app for you to help you, is really what they were trying to communicate to the consumer. And, uh, and what, I, what I want us to do is tweak that statement a little bit as we look into our passage today and say it this way, there is grace for that. And I, and I want us to see that as we look, because no matter your situation, your struggle, your heartache, your valley, or journey you're on in life, there's grace for that. Uh, there may not be an iPhone app for it, but there's grace for it from the Lord. And to fully understand this, uh, uh, we, we do need to understand there's two types of grace that the Bible tells us about. The first type of grace is God's saving grace. That's the grace that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 2 when he says, by grace are you saved through faith. Okay, that's the kind of grace that uh, is, is saving grace. We talked a lot about that even when we unpacked the book of Jonah. Grace that saves us. That, that's one type of grace the Bible talks about. But another type of grace that the Bible tells about is what I call God's enabling grace. God's strengthening grace. Uh, it's grace that enables you to live exactly how he desires you to live. Uh, James in his letter that he writes, James the half-brother of Jesus, uh, he really unpacks well this kind of grace when he says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Uh, what that verse really is a, a great way to illustrate it. Have you ever tried to walk against the wind? It's really hard to do that. Uh, but, but if you're a runner or anything like that, you love having the wind behind you as you're running. Uh, driving against the wind is hard, and when the wind's behind you, you almost seem like you can't control the car because it's like pushing you uh, with it. Uh, it. That's kind of the idea in that is saying those who are proud, you have uh, wind resistance or even worse, God resistance. He's resisting you. But those who humble themselves, God gives grace to or assistance. Divine enabling is those, what he gives people who are humble. And that's the type of grace that I want us to see specifically in our passage today is God's enabling grace, his strengthening grace, the grace that enables or strength, strengthens us to do exactly what he's calling us to do. And so as we study our passage this morning, we're gonna unpack a few reasons why we often fear God's plans for our lives, but ultimately we're gonna see we don't need to fear, and here's the reason why. God's grace is available to us. And so notice with me, first of all, when it comes to the Lord's plans for our lives, I want us to notice in this passage that God's interruptions are often inconvenient. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. If you noticed in the few verses that we read, it tells us that, uh, that Mary was espoused or betrothed to this man named uh, Joseph. 
now, if you were to get into, kind of into the backstory or try to get into the mind of Mary in this time, trying to get into her heart and mind, what she's thinking about at this point in her life, we don't know exactly how old she is, but she's probably around 14 to 16 years old. And the reason we know that is because in their culture, right after a, uh, a girl would hit puberty, shortly after that, she would be promised or betrothed to uh, be married. And uh, there was a, there's a whole process to that in their culture, but uh, that, that's how we know she was probably about 14 to 16 years old is because she was already betrothed or espoused to this man named Joseph. And so get inside this young girl's mind for just a moment. Uh, what, she's probably really excited about what's to come right? Think about what do brides do nowadays? In modern day, uh, a bride, when they're getting ready for the, uh, the wedding, they're like all over Pinterest, right? They're pinning stuff and figuring out what dress am I going to wear? What decorations are we going to have? Who's going to do our cake? Do we need a, uh, a really expensive photographer or do we need an expensive venue? And they're thinking through all of those kinds of things and preparing for the wedding day. And in a very different but similar way, uh, in Galilee at this time, the woman, the, the woman who was espoused or betrothed to a man would be preparing or in preparation for whatever day the wedding might take place. Uh, she would be prepared for when the bridegroom, the groom, would come and tell her, today's the day that we're going to get married. And so she's here preparing for her wedding day, and that's when the angel comes, like in, in the process of preparation to be married, the, the angel comes to her, interrupting those plans in a way that she had. And it's incredibly inconvenient, most likely, to the way she had her future planned out or mapped out. Uh, she, she was thinking, uh, most likely, just as any young woman would who's about to be married, uh, about what, what's going to take place uh, with, you know, now she has a, her new last name. I got to figure out my signature and get it perfect with my new last name. I, I got to make sure that, uh, wh where are we going to live? Okay, we're going to be in Nazareth and planning all of those things out. And yet, uh, God interrupts her in this time and gives her something different. And what I want us to learn from this is a very important principle that oftentimes what we call interruptions, God sees them as invitations. Those times that we feel like God is interrupting me, he's actually oftentimes inviting us to something higher or to something better. I think about it in scripture, God interrupted Moses. Uh, on a normal every day with a sheep, he interrupted him with a burning bush, okay? Gideon, he interrupted him uh, while he was hiding from the Midianites, threshing wheat and uh, the wine press. And God interrupted him in that moment to invite him to, just as Moses, be the deliverer of Israel under their oppression. Uh, I think of in the New Testament, Saul, the persecutor of the church, as he was going around, going around madly killing Christians, God interrupted his life on the road to Damascus uh, with a bright light from heaven and called him and invited him to himself and to be the apostle to the Gentiles and uh, later even to become the author of much of what we call the New Testament. And God often interrupted plans with an invitation to something higher and better. And I believe there are many of us who sometimes, or oftentimes even, we shake off God's invitations, uh, calling them interruptions, when God really wants to do something new and different in our lives. And I don't know how this will necessarily play out for each and every one of us, but if you'll be sensitive enough to see what we call interruptions as a possible invitation, God might take you somewhere uh, or some, some, somewhere new or somewhere different to do something special that you couldn't have even planned 
or thought of on your own. And it could play out in an, any number of ways. And, and there are some of us in here today that you have your own interruption slash invitation story. Maybe uh, you were one of those people who uh, you weren't a church person. You didn't go to church. You didn't want really anything to do with church. But someone from work or someone uh, in your family interrupted you and invited you to church, interrupted your life. And, and uh, as most people who are passionate about the Lord do, they don't relent until you say yes, right? And so you eventually relented and said, hey, I'm going to go to church and uh, maybe I'll just endure it. I'll just go and I'll just get in and get out. But while you were there in the church service, something happened. A song spoke to you or, or uh, someone said something or it, in the message, it was almost like God was speaking directly to you and to your heart and, uh, and your heart started to soften and suddenly you found yourself being drawn to God and one day you cried out for forgiveness and and you uh you in that moment just sensed that supernatural presence of god and something in you was dramatically changed and you went what you thought was an interruption someone continuously inviting you to church and you eventually relented and gave into it was actually god inviting you to something way 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 better and i'm sure each and every one of us could probably share different stories all around the room this morning of when God interrupted our plans to invite us to something else. And what we're going to see in the story of Mary is not only that God will often interrupt our plans, but uh, God might actually give us something completely different from our original plans. <laughs> okay, because uh, God's purpose is often different from our plans. Not only is God, uh, God, are God's interruptions oftentimes inconvenient, or if they feel inconvenient in a time, often God's purpose is different from our plans. And think about it again. Mary's life, it was planned out. She was, uh, she and Joseph were betrothed. They would get married. They would live in Nazareth. Joseph would do his carpentry to provide for them. They would have some kids. They would raise them in Nazareth. And in the middle of all that, the angel comes and says, God's plan for you is a little different. God's plan is that you will have a child right now, prior to the marriage, you will conceive. And, and then, uh, and, and this child that you're going to conceive isn't just any child. Look at verses uh, 31 through 33 with me as the angel unpacks for her what child she would be conceived with, or she would conceive. It says, The angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. She was told that she was going to bring the promised Messiah into this world. Now Mary, she probably would have been familiar with the prophecies of the Old Testament that were given to her people about the Messiah. But some of us might not quite be as familiar. So let's kind of unpack what the angel just said to her. The angel said to her that she would bear the son of God, the very son of God. It says that uh, he would be called the son of the highest. That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of God. This was a name or a title that the Jews would have associated with the Messiah specifically because of some of the Psalms and even more specifically Psalm chapter 2 uh, that would said uh, that would call him God's son very own son and uh, so uh, think about that she was she was being asked to raise the very son of God 
No pressure, right? I, I think of especially in, I think it's in the next chapter, Luke chapter 2, when they're on the journey and they lose Jesus. Like, what, how are you going to explain that to God? That, like, I lost your son, right? Okay, how, how much pressure is there that you're, you're literally raising the son of God? And she was told that she would be raising the Messiah. It says, shall call his name Jesus. The name Jesus, it, uh, it, it comes from the same name as Joshua or Yeshua. It, it means this, Jehovah is salvation. God is our salvation. They had been waiting for the one that would come and save them for so long. Her child was the chosen one. He was going to be the one who would save all people from their sins. And this was something that was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 53 verses 8, or verse 8, really the entire chapter, but specifically in verse 8, it says that he would do it, he would come and he would die for the transgression of all people. Again, what a weight of responsibility in how you raise that child. I'm raising the son of God. I'm raising the Messiah. And she was told that she would be raising the eternal king. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there shall be no end. Back in Isaiah chapter 9 it says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace shall there be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth even forever. Jesus, he was promised to be from the house and lineage of David. The Messiah would be. This eternal king who would reign over Israel and over all the earth was promised to come from the lineage of David. This prophecy dates itself all the way back to, uh, to King David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12 when God promised to bring Messiah through uh, and the eventual ruler through his line, through David's line. And, and then also through, uh, through the line of Judah. And, and all of these prophecies that were given, uh, this is what's being unpacked for Mary. Giving her specifics to let her know the child you are conceiving is not just any child. It is the child, the one that every single one of you in this nation have been waiting for. I can't even imagine having to be the, the parent of the king over everything. <laughs> like, like, he would eventually be ruler over her, uh, and she would know this. Now, uh, again, think about what she might be thinking in this time as she's being told this. There must have been a moment in, as she's being told this where she's blown away, incredibly humble, like, wow, I've, I've been chosen to be the mother of the Son of God. This, this purpose, God's purpose for her, uh, it, it was way different than what her plans in her mind at this time would have been. And and my friends, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, as it says in scripture, God's purposes are higher than our purposes. His plans are higher than our plans and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Uh, just as those things are, are true, we see that in the life of Mary and in our lives today as well, that specifically this might play out differently in our lives. But when God interrupts with an invitation to something else, you're going to discover that his purposes for you are often way different than the plans that you had for your life. It may be that you've dreamed of the perfect and healthy family, 
And then you find out that you're going to get a child who's going to be born with special needs or let's make it a little more personal this morning. You find out it's twins, right? And you're like, what is going on, okay? And how is this happening? What is God doing? What do we do? I have no idea uh, what we're going to do with this. And yet you, you don't even know the blessing that this is going to be and it's going to bring you closer to God and you'll end up uh, well up more love within your heart than you've ever dreamed that you could have because his purposes may be different than your plan. Uh, I don't know how many times I've talked to people who even would uh, say this, I I thought I was going to marry this person. They were perfect. And then the relationship goes south and they think, I'll never ever have a good marriage. I mean, who could ever be like this person? And they had no idea that God was actually preparing another person that was indescribably better than the person they were in a relationship with. And uh, God had them perfectly suited to serve God together and, uh, and they just couldn't see it at the time though. But God's purposes are often different than our plans and what we see our future to be. And so friends, God's interruptions, they're often inconvenient. And God's purposes are often different than our plans. But I also want to see from our passages, uh, passage this morning that God's call often seems impossible. God's call often seems impossible. Mary says in verse 34, how can this be since I do not know a man? Mary didn't seem surprised that the Messiah was to come. She had been praying for that just like the rest of her, uh, her nation. Rather, she seemed to be surprised that she would be his mother since she was a virgin. Uh, but the angel did not rebuke Mary as she rebuked, rebuked, as we saw in a few verses earlier last week, Zacharias for doubt, which indicates that Mary doesn't seem to doubt the angel's words but merely wanted to know how such an event could be accomplished. How is that going to take place? Uh, In other words, she's saying, I'm supposed to give birth, birth, but I'm a virgin. I've never been involved with a man. There's a certain way that a woman conceiving takes place, and that hasn't taken place. How is this going to even happen? It's totally impossible. It's beyond impossible. It's physically impossible for this to happen. And yet, look at what the angel says in verses 35 through 37. He says, she, uh, he says this, The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be be called the son of God and behold thy cousin Elizabeth she hath also conceived a son in her old age and is the sixth and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for with God nothing shall be impossible Gabriel's response to Mary is this this is impossible with man but with God nothing's impossible not only will you conceive being a virgin but God also has seen fit that Elizabeth your cousin would bear a son in her old age, the one who was called barren, who no one thought would have a child. Uh, These kinds of things, they seem impossible from man's perspective, but God is able to make possible those things which seem impossible. And there will be times, I promise, for all of us in here who are followers of God, uh, that God's going to interrupt us with some kind of invitation to something different and his purpose is gonna be different than the plans that we had for ourselves and he's going to ask us to uh, have faith and to believe him but we're going to look at the situation and say, I don't see how that's possible. (laughs) God, I don't see how that's going to happen. It's impossible, there's no way and often that view comes from a human standpoint. Well, I can't control that outcome. 
I can't make that be the outcome. I don't even see how that could be the outcome uh, at, at all. If I, I, I don't even see how that outcome could be the case if I follow with what God's calling me to do. But we need to recognize, and this is important, it's so vital for us to catch this truth this morning, that God's responsibility is outcome. Our responsibility is obedience. Outcome is God's responsibility and obedience is ours. I believe Mary understood this because look at her response in verse 38. She says this, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. What a response, right? <laughs> like, I I'm just a servant of the Lord. I turn myself, my plans, the direction of my life over to him. Let the Lord work his plan through me. You, you read that, and, and that's such a display of faith in what God was calling her to do. God's responsibility was to make happen what he said would happen, that she would conceive not knowing a man. That was God's responsibility. And she knew her responsibility was just to obey and surrender to that plan, and she did. Well, how could she respond this way? And how can we respond this way when we are called to do things that seem impossible or that seem different from what we thought the plans of our lives would be? Oftentimes, the three points we've gone over so far are the very reasons we are afraid to follow God's plan. Because his interruptions are inconvenient. His purposes are different from our plans. And, and, uh, and often his call seems impossible. And those things will often be the very reasons why we are fearful to follow through with God's plan. But these truths, they don't have to render us fearful. We don't have to be afraid of what God is calling us to do. Why? Here's why. Because God's grace is always available. I want you to see this in verses 28 through 30. Some of you thought we skipped these verses. We didn't. We're coming back to them, okay? Verses 28 through 30, the Bible says this. The angel came into, unto her and said, Hell thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Here's where we find out how Mary could have the response that she had. We find it in the angel's response to her fear. In her moment of fear, she's told, Fear not. Because you are a recipient of God's grace. The word there that's translated favor is also translated in many portions of scriptures, upwards of 130 times, it's translated as grace. Don't be afraid, Mary. You found grace with God. You've been given and are being given a divine strength from God to do this impossible task. This thing that you're being called to do, you're being given God's divine strength to accomplish it. Before the announcement of God's plan to her that she would bring Jesus the Messiah into this world and raise him as her child, before that was even said to her, Mary was told, fear not, because God's grace is available to you, Mary. That's how Mary was able to say, be it unto me according to thy word. She was relying on what was promised to her. She counted God as able to give her the strength and grace that he had promised to her and that she would need. And this is, this is an incredible truth, an incredible thought, and it's the truth and application I, I don't want us to miss today. I don't want us to miss this morning. Mary was being called to do something that no one else had ever done. 
She was about to be put into a situation that no one else had ever been put into. She was being given a responsibility that had never been given and would never be given again. But Mary was told she didn't have to fear because God had grace available to her. God was telling her that he would give her strength for the journey she was about to be on. And while the story of Jesus began with grace being offered to Mary, we need to be reminded this morning that the story of Jesus begins in our life as well with grace being offered to us. We don't need to go through life with fear because God's grace is available to us as well. The story of Jesus, and and specifically the story of Jesus coming, is a story of grace being offered to all. Of course, as I said earlier, two types of grace. God's saving grace. You can't help but see God's saving grace and his plan of salvation as you look into this story and see him coming. Because of Jesus Christ, we are offered salvation by grace. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus' free gift of salvation, you don't know if you have a personal relationship with the Lord. You don't know if you died today that you would go to heaven and spend eternity with him. You don't know that because you've never come to place your faith in that saving grace. I pray today would be the day that you would do that. Come see me after the service. I would love to show you from the Bible how you can know that. But the story of Jesus doesn't just show us that grace, his saving grace, is offered to us but we are also given his enabling grace. If you were to look at Paul's writings, specifically in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, he says this, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. What's he saying? God's grace is available to you to do the good work he's called you to do. And a few chapters later, Paul would say this, that Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God's enabling, strengthening grace is always available to us. So although God's interruptions are often inconvenient, though his purposes are often different from our plans, and while his call often seems impossible, fear not, because his grace is, is always available. God gives strength to his children for every single uh, problem and struggle and trial and call that they go through. Mary was about to need his strength for the journey that she was facing. And before she even faced it, she was told of the grace of God's strength that was available to her. And my friends, his grace is sufficient for whatever we are going to face and whatever he's calling us to do. So like Mary, fear not because whatever you're going through, whatever struggle, whatever situation, whatever call, whatever journey of life you are on, there's grace for that. There's grace for that. His grace is available to us. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.